is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Laveau, and this episode is Motivational Outings Zoo. So this episode is all about how to have a motivational outing at the zoo with your kids, regardless of their age. So I took my kids to the zoo this last week. Um, As you may or may not know, they're just two and four years old, so everything for them was new. We'd never been to the zoo before. We haven't been going on many outings because of the whole pandemic thing. Um, So they have not experienced that before. Everything was new. Every single thing we did was hugely educational. Whether it was academic or not, it was educational. They learned so much just being there in that environment. But we can also get a little more specific if there's certain things that we're trying to maybe spark in our kids or get them interested in. Um, And sometimes it's just about trying a few things to see if anything lands for them and anything feels motivating for them. So the first thing we can do is have these discussions. We can discuss with a child why an animal is doing something. You know, there there was a camel rolling in the mud. Why is the camel rolling in the mud? Why is that badger kicking dirt back onto itself? Why are all these animals hiding in the shade? Those all might be related to the same thing, right? But why do they have different methods of staying cool? Is another, you know, going deeper with that. How the habitat is designed. Looking at why did they put, you know, these rock pieces in this habitat and these tree pieces in this habitat. Why is this habitat huge and this one kind of small and, or this one really small because it's for a spider. (coughs) Sorry. So how do they design the habitat? How do they know what the animals need? Those kinds of discussions can just spark interest and can lead to some of what we're going to talk about in a minute with the writing um, research ideas. Again, also how they choose where to put the animals what the animals need, what food they need, what comforts they need, what do they need? And then we can get a little moral, ethical, philosophical, what is the purpose of zoos? Are they a good thing? Are they something that should should be eliminated? Do we have too many zoos? Do we have to be careful about which zoos we choose to go to? and checking on their ethics and why they're in business, what their motivation is. So as you can see, a lot of these topics could really spark some interesting writing as well. So this is going into our next topic of what we can do that can be motivating is encouraging writing and maybe doing some of this writing yourself. As I've said in previous episodes, the more you model, the more you show your children that you are doing something, the more interested in doing it they will be. So they might want to journal everything they saw. And the journal might not be writing words, but it might be taking pictures or drawing pictures. Or it might be a log where they're, you know, writing down which animals they saw in which order, and maybe something about each animal that they want to log, whether it's the time they saw it, what it was doing when they saw it, where it was, how many of that animal animal they were able to find versus, you know, if you know how many of that species are in that habitat, how many were you able to find? 
And that then is going to lead to a math question later. Um, letters. So letters to grandparents telling them about something they did, just kind of a narrative telling about their day. Or it could be what we're going to get to in a minute, persuasive, trying to persuade someone to do something. So as I mentioned, some of those research ideas of figuring out what is, how is the habitat for a particular animal designed? What research did they have to do? So it's almost like the child is doing the research about what research had to be done for a particular animal. Now, again, all of these are not assignments that you are assigning your child. They're things you're encouraging your child. And maybe you do want to make them an assignment, but maybe in a way that is motivational. Like one of the requirements for sixth grade is that you write a research paper. One idea that you could do a research paper on is something to do with the zoo that we went to or that we're going to today. So think about what you might want to research and if there's anything at the zoo that would be interesting for you to research. And then as you have those discussions, if there's something that really intrigues them, they might go forward with that. Okay. Um, so all of those research ideas, researching um, all of that, and even researching the purpose of zoos and why why they originally came into being and the history of zoos and anything like that. Creative writing. You know, if I was a zookeeper for a day and they get creative, I woke up and I was a rhinoceros in a zoo or not in a zoo. Maybe they're out in the wild and they're a rhinoceros. What's happening in their life? And then the the other one that I kind of alluded to before, persuasive. And this might be in the form of a letter. Like maybe it's something they're actually going to submit to the newspaper. They want everyone to read. Letter to the editor. You all need to stop visiting zoos. Or you all need to be careful about which zoos you visit. Um, or you all need to go and visit a zoo so that you can learn more about animals and how to protect animals. That something, you know, more global like that. Or it could be a letter to the zoo asking those research type questions. You know, how does this happen? Why does this happen? How do you make these decisions? Or to persuade the zoo to do something different. Like you don't have enough room for these animals and these animals. And this other zoo has those two animals together so that they have more space overall. Why don't you combine those two spaces and have a bigger area for these animals to all roam freely together? persuading someone to take a particular action. And, and there can be so many options here. Um, again, just trying to give a few ideas of where you might encourage discussion that can then lead to your child being encouraged to do something with this. Okay, so that all got a little heavy, I think, in terms of philosophical stuff as well as academic stuff. It can also just be really fun, silly scavenger hunt or something that is designed to maybe tie into another lesson later. So you might have them just as they're at the zoo, notice all the hoofed animals and jot those all down on a piece of paper or whatever, a log or something. Or they might notice where all the restrooms and water fountains are and, you know, did they think there was enough and have that kind of a discussion later. Um, which animals have bodies of water? And you can also just have them find very specific animals. You know which animals are going to be there, or maybe you don't. And you're just, it's a generic checklist that you got off the internet of common animals at the zoo, and they're going to try to find them all. And oh, 
this zoo didn't have a rhinoceros. Good to know. Or items at the zoo. Which items that you know have that this zoo has or that most zoos have. And you're going to see if your zoo has it. You know, the, um, the one we went to is Living Desert in Palm Desert. And they have this huge miniature train layout that I was shocked that they had because it didn't seem like a zoo thing. And it's so big, uh, at least in my mind. I don't know. Other places I'm sure are bigger, but it's very large in my mind. So it could be, a, a if you know what's there, it could be a scavenger hunt specific for that thing. You also can have your kids make a scavenger hunt. So it can be they're choosing what to put in a scavenger hunt that they're then giving to the zoo that the zoo can make the scavenger hunt, at least in theory. Or that they can pass off to a friend when their friend goes to the zoo next time or you know, next week or whatever, if they're going with them or separate. So it can just be so many fun, fun things of just like noticing what's happening at the zoo. And you can also be thinking about things that they might not normally notice, right? We usually notice the giant giraffe and the giant rhinoceros, but maybe they kind of ignore the night heron and you want them to notice more of the birds this time. So you're going to have them look for specific birds and check those off. Um, or in anything like that, where there it's something that maybe doesn't get as much attention and you want them to notice it. It can also be something about the trees. You want them to notice the trees that are around and specific trees or specific other kinds of plants or um, anything about the habitats, noticing those pieces, the things that you don't necessarily look for as much. Okay, so last category of motivational things that you might want to do is math. So it can be very basic, like with my two and four-year-old, they're at the counting level. They love to count things. Um, my two-year-old was cute on the way out there and wanted to count all the trains that we were driving by and all the wind turbines that we were driving by, which is way too many to count. I should say train cars. Um, she wanted to count. Anyways, way too many to count. They're huge long trains. There are hundreds of wind turbines. It was too much to count for her, but it also was just a practice of counting. You know, there was no, there was no wrong answer for her, basically. It was all good. Um, and then you can get into, so obviously you can also count the animals that you're seeing, how many animals are in this exhibit. If you want to do smaller counting, just like a few at a time, or trying to keep track to count the whole zoo. How many animals did you see in the whole zoo? You know, maybe you're teaching them how to tally and they're making tally marks for every animal they see at the zoo. Within that, you might do some adding and subtracting. How many mammals did you see? So then you're going through and adding up all the different mammals you saw. How many of the mammals had hooves? So all the mammals minus the ones that don't have hooves, how many had hooves? And maybe they're just counting all the hooves, but you know, some subtraction there too. Or subtracting out, I know there's this many animals, but we saw this many, so how many did we not see? This many. And then fractions, which we talked about. If we know that there's five giraffes in this enclosure and we only see three, we saw three-fifths of the giraffes. If, if there's, 
you know, some gazelles here and some gazelles there, and we know, okay, there's five of this kind of gazelle over here, and there's another seven over here. Okay, so five twelfths of the gazelles are in this enclosure or this type, and the there are seven twelfths that are this type to make all the gazelles all together. Different things with fractions in that way. And then we can go big and do like a whole math project based on your visit. And again, we want this to be exciting and motivational and not a chore. If your kids are not interested, please don't force it. But you might want to have them do something like, how much does it cost to feed all of the animals? Well, they're going to have to talk to somebody and you're going to want to make sure that that person doesn't just tell them the cost. You want them to have to figure things out, you know? Well, there's the, this animal eats this much and we have to pay this much for this. And this animal eats this and all the data, right? Now, it might be too much for someone to sit down and actually give all that data, but you might encourage your child to ask just a couple of questions that would only take a little bit of time from someone or from several people throughout the day. You know, if you're meeting different people in different areas, they might be able to tell you about how much food all the reptiles eat, how much that costs, and then kind of determining from there the different, the different animals that as you're seeing them. If you know how many animals, you know, ahead of time, they might research how much giraffes eat. And then they're finding out while they're there how many giraffes are at that particular zoo. And then maybe they're asking someone how much it costs per pound of whatever hay or whatever giraffes eat. Do they just eat the leaves off those trees? I don't know what they feed them at the zoos. I need to do some research. Okay. And then it might also be a math project like how much space does each animal need? If this space is 100 square yards and there's four animals in it, do they each need 25 square yards? And you might then have that go into a discussion with a zookeeper and say, if you only had one of these animals, would 25 square yards be enough? Or is there a baseline amount that they have to start with, like 60 square yards, and then you add a little extra for each additional animal of that species beyond that. How do you do, you know, how do you figure out how much space you need for each animal? Or how much, or how do you, you know, how do you know if it's enough or too much? And is it also just like what you have room for? You know, what is, what are those decisions? So it's a lot of asking questions of people and also doing some calculation. Okay. So your takeaway this week is that I would really like you to just open up space for inspiration in all of your outings. Think about how you can be inspired and how you can inspire your kids. And a lot of that is through discussions that you can have with those, your kids. It's your sparking interest, your sparking engagement, your sparking motivation by being genuinely interested yourself, being excited yourself and asking really intriguing questions that they want to figure out the answer to and not requiring that they figure out the answer. Um, I also always encourage you to model what you want to see from them. 
So if you want to see them figuring things out, researching things, asking questions, make sure you're doing that too. Now, don't do it for them. If they have a question, they should be the one that's asking it. You know, I would ask, I would have my two-year-old ask an adult a question. Like, I don't think there's a minimum age before they can ask the zookeeper a question at the zoo. But if you have a question, don't make them ask it either, right? If you have a genuine question, you should go model asking the zookeeper at the zoo your general, your genuine question to just see how that works. Um, and let them see you doing research and finding things out and asking asking different questions, even just as a discussion, asking questions to get thinking about things, analyzing thoughts, coming up with opinions on things. Um, so all of that can be very inspiring. And I hope that your children find it inspiring and engaging and fascinating. Um, and again, if they've been in public school or traditional school settings much, they might need a little time before they actually feel engaged in doing some of that stuff. Um, because they're so used to everything being an assignment that if it's if you're taking a fun activity and it feels like an assignment now, they can really resist it. So stick with just discussions initially, unless you have something set up where you can you can offer an assignment and it's okay and they're not going to be upset about it. Um, and again, like I said, an open-ended assignment, like you need to do a research project. Let's see if we can find something interesting here. And I want to hear from you. Tell me, what do you do when you go to the zoo with your kids? Um, how do you engage their interest? What do they find really motivating? What's going on for you? Tell me about it. Always email me, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I cannot wait to hear from you and I will see you next week.